too, or them. The frogs who wished for a king the frogs were tired of governing themselves. They had so much freedom that it had spoiled them, and they did nothing but sit around croaking in a bored manner and wishing for a government that could entertain them with the pomp and display of royalty, and rule them in a way to make them know they were being ruled. No milk and water government for them, they declared. So they sent a petition to Jupiter asking for a king. Jupiter saw what simple and foolish creatures they were, but to keep them quiet and make them think they had a king he threw down a huge log, which fell into the water with a great splash. The frogs hid themselves among the reeds and grasses, thinking the new king to be some fearful giant, but they soon discovered how tame and peaceable king log was. In a short time the younger frogs were using him for a diving platform, while the older frogs made him a meeting place, where they complained loudly to Jupiter about the government. To teach the frogs a lesson the ruler of the gods now sent a crane to be king of Frogland. The crane proved to be a very different sort of king from old King Log. He gobbled up the poor frogs right and left and they soon saw what fools they had been. In mournful croaks they begged Jupiter to take away the cruel tyrant before they should all be destroyed. How now? cried Jupiter, are you not yet content? You have what you asked for and so you have only yourselves to blame for your misfortunes. Be sure you can better your condition before you seek to change. The owl and the grasshopper the owl always takes her sleep during the day. Then after sundown, when the rosy light fades from the sky and the shadows rise slowly through the wood, out she comes ruffling and blinking from the old hollow tree. Now her weird hoot hoot hoo hoo echoes through the quiet wood, and she begins her hunt for the bugs and beetles, frogs and mice she likes so well to eat. Now there was a certain old owl who had become very cross and hard to please as she grew older, especially if anything disturbed her daily slumbers. One warm summer afternoon as she dozed away in her den in the old oak tree, a grasshopper nearby began a joyous but very raspy song. Out popped the old owl's head from the opening in the tree that served her both for door and for window. Get away from here, sir, she said to the grasshopper. Have you no manners? You should at least respect my age and leave me to sleep in quiet. But the grasshopper answered sulkily that he had as much right to his place in the sun as the owl had to her place in the old oak. Then he struck up a louder and still more rasping tune. The wise old owl knew quite well that it would do no good to argue with the grasshopper, nor would anybody else for that matter. Besides, her eyes were not sharp enough by day to permit her to punish the grasshopper as he deserved. So she laid aside all hard words and spoke very kindly to him. Well sir, she said, if I must stay awake, I am going to settle right down to enjoy your singing. Now that I think of it, I had a wonderful wine here, sent me from Olympus, of which I am told Apollo drinks before he sings to the high gods. Please come up and taste this delicious drink with me. I know it will make you sing like Apollo himself. The foolish grasshopper was taken in by the owl's flattering words. Up he jumped to the owl's den, but as soon as he was near enough so the old owl could see him clearly, she pounced upon him and ate him up. Flattery is not a proof of true admiration. Do not let flattery throw you off your guard against an enemy. The wolf and his shadow a wolf left his lair one evening in fine spirits and in excellent appetite. As he ran, the setting sun cast his shadow far out on the ground, and it looked as if the wolf were a hundred times bigger than he really was. Why? exclaimed the wolf proudly, see how big I am, fancy me running away from a puny lion, I'll show him who is fit to be king, he or I, just then an immense shadow blotted him out entirely, and the next instant a lion struck him down with a single blow, do not let your fancy make you forget realities, 
The oak and the reeds A giant oak stood near a brook in which grew some slender reeds. When the wind blew, the great oak stood proudly upright with its hundred arms uplifted to the sky. But the reeds bowed low in the wind and sang a sad and mournful song. You have reason to complain, said the oak. The slightest breeze that ruffles the surface of the water makes you bow your heads. While I the mighty oak, stand upright and firm before the howling tempest. Do not worry about us, replied the reeds. The winds do not harm us. We bow before them and so we do not break. You, in all your pride and strength, have so far resisted their blows. But the end is coming. As the reeds spoke a great hurricane rushed out of the north. The oak stood proudly and fought against the storm. While the yielding reeds bowed low, the wind redoubled in fury. And all at once the great tree fell, torn up by the roots, and lay among the pitying reeds. Better to yield when it is folly to resist, than to resist stubbornly and be destroyed. The rat and the elephant a rat was traveling along the king's highway. He was a very proud rat, considering his small size and the bad reputation all rats have. As Mr. Rat walked along he kept mostly to the ditch he noticed a great commotion up the road, and soon a grand procession came in view. It was the king and his retinue. The king rode on a huge elephant adorned with the most gorgeous trappings. With the king in his luxurious howdah were the royal dog and cat. A great crowd of people followed the procession. They were so taken up with admiration of the elephant, that the rat was not noticed. His pride was hurt. What fools! He cried. Look at me. And you will soon forget that clumsy elephant. Is it his great size that makes your eyes pop out? Or is it his wrinkled hide? Why? I have eyes and ears and as many legs as he. I am of just as much importance. And, but just then the royal cat spied him. And the next instant, the rat knew he was not quite so important as an elephant. A resemblance to the great in some things does not make us great. The boys and the frogs some boys were playing one day at the edge of a pond in which lived a family of frogs. The boys amused themselves by throwing stones into the pond so as to make them skip on top of the water. The stones were flying thick and fast and the boys were enjoying themselves very much, but the poor frogs in the pond were trembling with fear. At last one of the frogs, the oldest and bravest, put his head out of the water, and said, Oh, please, dear children, stop your cruel play, though it may be fun for you, it means death to us. Always stop to think whether your fun may not be the cause of another's unhappiness. The crow and the pitcher in a spell of dry weather, when the birds could find very little to drink. A thirsty crow found a pitcher with a little water in it, but the pitcher was high and had a narrow neck, and no matter how he tried, the crow could not reach the water. The poor thing felt as if he must die of thirst. Then an idea came to him, picking up some small pebbles. He dropped them into the pitcher one by one. With each pedal the water rose a little higher until at last it was near enough so he could drink. In a pinch a good use of our wits may help us out. The ants and the grasshopper one bright day in late autumn a family of ants were bustling about in the warm sunshine, drying out the grain they had stored up during the summer, when a starving grasshopper, his fiddle under his arm, came up and humbly begged for a bite to eat. What? cried the ants in surprise. Haven't you stored anything away for the winter? What in the world were you doing all last summer? I didn't have time to store up any food. Whined the grasshopper, I was so busy making music that before I knew it the summer was gone. The ants shrugged their shoulders in disgust. Making music, were you? They cried. Very well, now dance. And they turned their backs on the grasshopper and went on with their work. There is a time for work and a time for play. The ass carrying the image a sacred image was being carried to the temple. 
it was mounted on an ass adorned with garlands and gorgeous trappings, and a grand procession of priests and pages followed it through the streets. As the ass walked along, the people bowed their heads reverently or fell on their knees, and the ass thought the honor was being paid to himself. With his head full of this foolish idea, he became so puffed up with pride and vanity that he halted and started to bray loudly. But in the midst of his song, his driver guessed what the ass had got into his head, and began to beat him unmercifully with a stick. Go along with you, you stupid ass, he cried. The honor is not meant for you but for the image you are carrying. Do not try to take the credit to yourself that is due to others. A raven and a swan a raven, which you know is black as coal, was envious of the swan, because her feathers were as white as the purest snow. The foolish bird got the idea that if he lived like the swan, swimming and diving all day long and eating the weeds and plants that grow in the water, his feathers would turn white like the swans. So he left his home in the woods and fields and flew down to live on the lakes and in the marshes. But though he washed and washed all day long, almost drowning himself at it, his feathers remained as black as ever, and as the water weeds he ate did not agree with him, he got thinner and thinner, and at last he died. A change of habits will not alter nature. The two goats two goats, frisking daily on the rocky steeps of a mountain valley, chanced to meet, one on each side of a deep chasm through which poured a mighty mountain torrent. The trunk of a fallen tree formed the only means of crossing the chasm, and on this not even two squirrels could have passed each other in safety. The narrow path would have made the bravest tremble. Not so our goats. Their pride would not permit either to stand aside for the other. One set her foot on the log. The other did likewise. In the middle they met horn to horn. Neither would give way. And so they both fell. To be swept away by the roaring torrent below. It is better to yield than to come to misfortune through stubbornness. The ass and the load of salt a merchant. Driving his ass homeward from the seashore with a heavy load of salt came to a river crossed by a shallow ford. They had crossed this river many times before without accident, but this time the ass slipped and fell when halfway over, and when the merchant at last got him to his feet, much of the salt had melted away. Delighted to find how much lighter his burden had become, the ass finished the journey very gaily. Next day the merchant went for another load of salt. On the way home the ass, remembering what had happened at the ford, purposely let himself fall into the water and again got rid of most of his burden. The angry merchant immediately turned about and drove the ass back to the seashore, where he loaded him with two great baskets of sponges. At the ford the ass again tumbled over, but when he had scrambled to his feet, it was a very disconsolate ass that dragged himself homeward under a load ten times heavier than before. The same measures will not suit all circumstances. The lion and the gnat, away with you, vile insect, said a lion angrily to a gnat that was buzzing around his head but the gnat was not in the least disturbed. Do you think, he said spitefully to the lion, that I am afraid of you because they call you king? The next instant he flew at the lion and stung him sharply on the nose. Mad with rage, the lion struck fiercely at the gnat, but only succeeded in tearing himself with his claws. Again and again the gnat stung the lion, who now was roaring terribly. At last, worn out with rage and covered with wounds that his own teeth and claws had made, the lion gave up the fight. The gnat buzzed away to tell the whole world about his victory, but instead he flew straight into a spider's web, and there, he who had defeated the king of beasts came to a miserable end, the prey of a little spider, the least of our enemies is often the most to be feared, pride over a success should not throw us off our guard, 
The Leapat Roads a certain man who visited foreign lands could talk of little when he returned to his home except the wonderful adventures he had met with and the great deeds he had done abroad. One of the feats he told about was a leap he had made in a city called Rhodes. That leap was so great, he said, that no other man could leap anywhere near the distance. A great many persons in Rhodes had seen him do it and would prove that what he told was true. No need of witnesses, said one of the hearers. Suppose this city is Rhodes. Now show us how far you can jump. Deeds count, not boasting words. The cock and the jeweler cock was busily scratching and scraping about to find something to eat for himself and his family. When he happened to turn up a precious jewel that had been lost by its owner. Aha, said the cock. No doubt you are very costly and he who lost you would give a great deal to find you. But as for me, I would choose a single grain of barley corn before all the jewels in the world. Precious things are without value to those who cannot prize them. The monkey and the camel at a great celebration in honor of Kin Lion. The monkey was asked to dance for the company. His dancing was very clever indeed. And the animals were all highly pleased with his grace and lightness. The praise that was showered on the monkey made the camel envious. He was very sure that he could dance quite as well as the monkey. If not better. So he pushed his way into the crowd that was gathered around the monkey. And rising on his hind legs began to dance, but the big hulking camel made himself very ridiculous as he kicked out his knotty legs and twisted his long clumsy neck. Besides, the animals found it hard to keep their toes from under his heavy hoofs. At last, when one of his huge feet came within an inch of Kin Lion's nose, the animals were so disgusted that they set upon the camel in a rage and drove him out into the desert. Shortly afterward, refreshments, consisting mostly of camel's hump and ribs, were served to the company. Do not try to ate your betters. The wild boar and the fox A wild boar was sharpening his tusks busily against the stump of a tree. When a fox happened by. Now the fox was always looking for a chance to make fun of his neighbors. So he made a great show of looking anxiously about. As if in fear of some hidden enemy. But the boar kept right on with his work. Why are you doing that? Asked the fox at last with a grin. There isn't any danger that I can see. True enough. Replied the boar. But when danger does come there will not be time for such work as this. My weapons will have to be ready for use then, or I shall suffer for it. Preparedness for war is the best guarantee of peace. The ass, the fox, and the lion an ass and a fox had become close comrades, and were constantly in each other's company. While the ass cropped a fresh bit of greens, the fox would devour a chicken from the neighboring farmyard or a bit of cheese filched from the dairy. One day the pair unexpectedly met a lion. The ass was very much frightened, but the fox calmed his fears. I will talk to him, he said. So the fox walked boldly up to the lion. Your highness, he said in an undertone. So the ass could not hear him. I've got a fine scheme in my head. If you promise not to hurt me, I will lead that foolish creature yonder into a pit where he can't get out. And you can feast at your pleasure. The lion agreed and the fox returned to the ass. I made him promise not to hurt us, said the fox. But come, I know a good place to hide till he is gone. So the fox led the ass into a deep pit. But when the lion saw that the ass was his for the taking, he first of all struck down the traitor fox. Traitors may expect treachery. The birds, the beasts, and the bat the birds and the beasts declared war against each other. No compromise was possible. And so they went at it tooth and claw. It is said the quarrel grew out of the persecution the race of beasts suffered at the teeth of the fox family. The beasts. 2. Had cause for fight. The eagle was constantly pouncing on the hare, 
and the owl dined daily on mice. It was a terrible battle. Many a hare and many a mouse died. Chickens and geese fell by the score and the victor always stopped for a feast. Now the bad family had not openly joined either side. They were a very politic race. So when they saw the birds getting the better of it, they were birds for all there was in it. But when the tide of battle turned, they immediately sided with the beasts. When the battle was over, the conduct of the bats was discussed at the peace conference. Such deceit was unpardonable, and birds and beasts made common cause to drive out the bats. And since then the bat family hides in dark towers and deserted ruins, flying out only in the night. The deceitful had no friends, the lion, the bear, and the fox just as a great bear rushed to seize a stray kid. A lion leaped from another direction upon the same prey. The two fought furiously for the prize until they had received so many wounds that both sank down unable to continue the battle. Just then a fox dashed up, and seizing the kid, made off with it as fast as he could go. While the lion and the bear looked on in helpless rage, how much better it would have been, they said, to have shared in a friendly spirit. Those who have all the toil do not always get the profit. The wolf and the lamb astray lamb stood drinking early one morning on the bank of a woodland stream. That very same morning a hungry wolf came by farther up the stream, hunting for something to eat. He soon got his eyes on the lamb. As a rule Mr. Wolf snapped up such delicious morsels without making any bones about it. But this lamb looked so very helpless and innocent that the wolf felt he ought to have some kind of an excuse for taking its life. How dare you paddle around in my stream and stir up all the mud? He shouted fiercely. You deserve to be punished severely for your rashness. But, your highness, replied the trembling lamb, do not be angry. I cannot possibly muddy the water you are drinking up there. Remember, you are upstream and I am downstream. You do muddy it, retorted the wolf savagely. And besides, I have heard that you told lies about me last year. How could I have done so? pleaded the lamb. I wasn't born until this year. If it wasn't you, it was your brother. I have no brothers. Well, then, snarled the wolf. It was someone in your family anyway. But no matter who it was, I do not intend to be talked out of my breakfast. And without more words the wolf seized the poor lamb and carried her off to the forest. The tyrant can always find an excuse for his tyranny. The unjust will not listen to the reasoning of the innocent. The wolf and the sheep wolf had been hurt in a fight with a bear. He was unable to move and could not satisfy his hunger and thirst. A sheep passed by near his hiding place, and the wolf called to him. Please fetch me a drink of water, he begged. That might give me strength enough so I can get me some solid food. Solid food, said the sheep. That means me, I suppose. If I should bring you a drink, it would only serve to wash me down your throat. Don't talk to me about a drink. A knave's hypocrisy is easily seen through. The hares and the frogs' hares, as you know, are very timid. The least shadow sends them scurrying in fright to a hiding place. Once they decided to die rather than live in such misery. But while they were debating how best to meet death, they thought they heard a noise and in a flash were scampering off to the warren. On the way they passed upon where a family of frogs was sitting among the reeds on the bank. In an instant the startled frogs were seeking safety in the mud. Look, cried a hare, things are not so bad after all. For here are creatures who are even afraid of us. However unfortunate we may think we are there is always someone worse off than ourselves. The fox and the stork The fox one day thought of a plan to amuse himself at the expense of the stork, at whose odd appearance he was always laughing. You must come and dine with me today, he said to the stork. 
smiling to himself at the trick he was going to play. The stork gladly accepted the invitation and arrived in good time and with a very good appetite. For dinner the fox served soup, but it was set out in a very shallow dish, and all the stork could do was to wet the very tip of his bill. Not a drop of soup could he get, but the fox lapped it up easily, and, to increase the disappointment of the stork, made a great show of enjoyment. The hungry stork was much displeased at the trick, but he was a calm, even-tempered fellow and saw no good in flying into a rage. Instead, not long afterward, he invited the fox to dine with him in turn. The fox arrived promptly at the time that had been set, and the stork served a fish dinner that had a very appetizing smell, but it was served in a tall jar with a very narrow neck. The stork could easily get at the food with his long bill, but all the fox could do was to lick the outside of the jar, and sniff at the delicious odor, and when the fox lost his temper, the stork said calmly, do not play tricks on your neighbors unless you can stand the same treatment yourself. The travelers and the sea to travelers were walking along the seashore. Far out they saw something riding on the waves. Look, said one, a great ship rides in from distant lands, bearing rich treasures. The object they saw came ever nearer the shore. Mumber, said the other, that is not a treasure ship, that is some fisherman's skiff. With the day's catch of savory fish, still nearer came the object. The waves washed it up on shore. It is a chest of gold lost from some wreck. They cried. Both travelers rushed to the beach. But there they found nothing but a water-soaked log. Do not let your hopes carry you away from reality. The wolf and the lion. A wolf had stolen a lamb and was carrying it off to his lair to eat it. But his plans were very much changed when he met a lion. Who, without making any excuses, took the lamb away from him. The wolf made off to a safe distance and then said in a much injured tone, you have no right to take my property like that. The lion looked back, but as the wolf was too far away to be taught a lesson without too much inconvenience, he said, your property, did you buy it, or did the shepherd make you a gift of it? Pray tell me, how did you get it? What is evil one is evil lost. The stag and his reflection a stag, drinking from a crystal spring, saw himself mirrored in the clear water. He greatly admired the graceful arch of his antlers but he was very much ashamed of his spindling legs. How can it be? He sighed, that I should be cursed with such legs when I have so magnificent a crown. At that moment he scented a panther and in an instant was bounding away through the forest. But as he ran his wide-spreading antlers caught in the branches of the trees, and soon the panther overtook him. Then the stag perceived that the legs of which he was so ashamed would have saved him had it not been for the useless ornaments on his head. We often make much of the ornamental and despise the full. The peacock the peacock, they say, did not at first have the beautiful feathers in which he now takes so much pride. These, Juno, whose favorite he was, granted to him one day when he begged her for a train of feathers to distinguish him from the other birds. Then, decked in his finery, gleaming with emerald, gold, purple, and azure, he strutted proudly among the birds, all regarded him with envy. Even the most beautiful pheasant could see that his beauty was surpassed. Presently the peacock saw an eagle soaring high up in the blue sky and felt a desire to fly, as he had been accustomed to do. Lifting his wings he tried to arise from the ground, but the weight of his magnificent train held him down. Instead of flying up to greet the first rays of the morning sun or to bathe in the rosy light among the floating clouds at sunset, he would have to walk the ground more encumbered and oppressed than any common barnyard fowl. Do not sacrifice your freedom for the sake of pomp and show. The mice and the weasels the weasels and the mice were always up in arms against each other. 
In every battle the weasels carried off the victory, as well as a large number of the mice, which they ate for dinner next day. In despair the mice called a council, and there it was decided that the mouse army was always beaten because it had no leaders. So a large number of generals and commanders were appointed from among the most eminent mice, to distinguish themselves from the soldiers in the ranks. The new leaders proudly bound on their heads lofty crests and ornaments of feathers or straw. Then after long preparation of the mouse army in all the arts of war, they sent a challenge to the weasels. The weasels accepted the challenge with eagerness, for they were always ready for a fight when a meal was in sight. They immediately attacked the mouse army in large numbers. Soon the mouse line gave way before the attack and the whole army fled for cover. The privates easily slipped into their holes, but the mouse leaders could not squeeze through the narrow openings because of their head dresses. Not one escaped the teeth of the hungry weasels. Greatness has its penalties. The wolf and the lean dog The wolf prowling near a village one evening met a dog. It happened to be a very lean and bony dog. And Master Wolf would have turned up his nose at such meager fare had he not been more hungry than usual. So he began to edge toward the dog, while the dog backed away. Let me remind your lordship, said the dog. His words interrupted now and then as he dodged a snap of the wolf's teeth. How unpleasant it would be to eat me now. Look at my ribs. I am nothing but skin and bone. But let me tell you something in private. In a few days my master will give a wedding feast for his only daughter. You can guess how fine and fat I will grow on the scraps from the table. Then is the time to eat me. The wolf could not help thinking how nice it would be to have a fine fat dog to eat instead of the scrawny object before him. So he went away pulling in his belt and promising to return. Some days later the wolf came back for the promised feast. He found the dog in his master's yard, and asked him to come out and be eaten. Sir, said the dog, with a grin, I shall be delighted to have you eat me. I'll be out as soon as the porter opens the door. But the porter was a huge dog whom the wolf knew by painful experience to be very unkind toward wolves. So he decided not to wait and made off as fast as his legs could carry him. Do not depend on the promises of those whose interest it is to deceive you. Take what you can get when you can get it. The fox and the lion a very young fox, who had never before seen a lion, happened to meet one in the forest. A single look was enough to send the fox off at top speed for the nearest hiding place. The second time the fox saw the lion he stopped behind a tree to look at him a moment before slinking away. But the third time, the fox went boldly up to the lion and, without turning a hair, said, Hello, there, old top, familiarity breeds contempt, acquaintance with evil blinds us to its dangers. The lion and the ass a lion and an ass agreed to go hunting together. In their search for game the hunters saw a number of wild goats run into a cave, and laid plans to catch them. The ass was to go into the cave and drive the goats out, while the lion would stand at the entrance to strike them down. The plan worked beautifully. The ass made such a frightful din in the cave, kicking and braying with all his might, that the goats came running out in a panic of fear, only to fall victim to the lion. The ass came proudly out of the cave. Did you see how I made them run? He said, Yes, indeed, answered the lion, and if I had not known you and your kind I should certainly have run. 2. The loud-mouthed boaster does not impress nor frighten those who know him. The dog and his master's dinner A dog had learned to carry his master's dinner to him every day. He was very faithful to his duty, though the smell of the good things in the basket tempted him. The dogs in the neighborhood noticed him carrying the basket and soon discovered what was in it. They made several attempts to steal it from him, 
but he always guarded it faithfully. Then one day all the dogs in the neighborhood got together and met him on his way with the basket. The dog tried to run away from them, but at last he stopped to argue. That was his mistake. They soon made him feel so ridiculous that he dropped the basket and seized a large piece of roast meat intended for his master's dinner. Very well, he said. You divide the rest. Do not stop to argue with temptation. The Bane Jackdaw and his borrowed feathers a jackdaw chanced to fly over the garden of the king's palace. There he saw with much wonder and envy a flock of royal peacocks in all the glory of their splendid plumage. Now the black jackdaw was not a very handsome bird, nor very refined in manner. Yet he imagined that all he needed to make himself fit for the society of the peacocks was a dress like theirs. So he picked up some cast-off feathers of the peacocks and stuck them among his own black plumes. Dressed in his borrowed finery he strutted loftily among the birds of his own kind. Then he flew down into the garden among the peacocks. But they soon saw who he was. Angry at the cheat. They flew at him. Plucking away the borrowed feathers and also some of his own. The poor jackdaw returned sadly to his former companions. There another unpleasant surprise awaited him. They had not forgotten his superior airs toward them. And, to punish him, they drove him away with a rain of pecks and gee.